Hey guys, it's Jar2. And Kelly. And we just wanted to include this little aside. We're going to get to the podcast and all the fun stuff later. However, in lieu of Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, also take into consideration that our book, this episode focuses primarily on Asian culture. We felt it would be remiss to not mention the recent social issues being dealt with by the AAPI community. As we all know, there's been a rise in hate crimes against the Asian American community, including the devastating Atlanta shooting that occurred in March. This rise has to do with the racial stigma against Asian Americans in the U.S. due to COVID-19. We can't begin to put into words how we're feeling, and we're sure many of you can't either. Though there's far more to be done, there have been some steps in the right direction with the Senate passing the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act on April 22nd with a 94-1 to vote. The law is going to review hate crimes related to COVID-19 and making sure there's accountability for the actions of the perpetrator. However, like we mentioned, there's more that needs to be done. One organization I know that is making strides on this front is Stop AAPI Hate Reporting Center. Their website has links to many online resources to report hate crimes being seen in progress and helpful safety tips when witnessing a hate crime in action. To quote the website, Stop AAPI Hate Reporting Center tracks and responds to incidents of hate, violence, harassment, discrimination, shunning, and child bullying against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders in the U.S. They are also connected to other organizations such as the Movement Hub, which is a platform of AAPI organizations across the U.S. that advance racial equity and intersectional justice. So I guess my big takeaway is I implore everyone to stay informed, to donate to local efforts, to be engaged, to rally local officials, and even in your own social circles, challenge ignorant and hateful ideology. Last but not least, support local AAPI businesses to show solidarity. So with that being said, we'll now get to the actual podcast. Welcome back, friends, book lovers, and fellow booze enthusiasts. I'm Jar2. I'm Kelly, and you sound real proper right now. Um, I am proper, okay? I wish you could see this girl's face right now. We're back with another episode. episode. After like five months. <laughs> okay. I think it's fair to first and foremost explain our long hiatus. It was before Christmas, right? It was the last time we... Yes. But, okay, life. We had the holidays. We had existential angst. Oof. We, we had last semester of college. We had a new job. Two jobs. We had COVID. Oh, Joshua had COVID. It was a lot. It was a lot. We're going through a lot. She's good. Oh, so, yeah, I'm alive. good. Her mom's good. We're good. Um... I'm alive. We're back now. And we are talking about the Poppy War today. Just in case you forgot, because we teased it a while back. And by a while, I mean four months ago. But we're here and we're going to talk about it today. Um, Next time, we're going to talk about Kelly's pick, which is... Carry On by Rainbow Rowell. I think that book will be very fun and I'm excited to read it. It's a fun book. Hopefully it has lighthearted comedy and romance it'll be definitely um 
a lot lighter than the pick today. But um, both picks are great, though, in yeah. their own way. I'm excited to read it. And if you're listening Jeez. and you listen to the first couple episodes, by couple, I mean two, thank you for coming back. The Poppy War. Let's get started. Wait, David, what are we drinking? Oh, the monkey and the shoe. It's called the what? The monkey and the shoe. And what's in it? A whole lot of shit. What is that? Yeah, what's that for our listeners? All ten of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Some Malibu, some Midori, um, creme de banana. I thought he was going to say creme de la creme. (laughs) Creme de banana. (laughs) And some pineapple juice. Awesome. Uh, It's very yummy. I feel like I'm too old to be drinking Malibu rum. But you're 23. Okay. It was still. She says, oh, after 21, it's just 35. <laughs> you're stupid. Oh my God. She's not stupid. Okay, let's get started. I feel like I'm being attacked. All With right. good reason. The Poppy War. The Poppy War. In your most general non spoiler summary, how can you describe the Poppy War for listeners that maybe want to read this? but do not want to know the details of the plot. Um, The most spoiler-free review, they trained her for a war, and she intends to end it. Please, not, not the cover page. <laughs> when Rin aced the Keju, the empire-wide test to find the most talented youth to study at the academies, it was a shock to everyone. The test officials who couldn't believe a war orphan from the Rooster province could pass without cheating. To Rin's guardians who always thought they'd be able to marry Rin off to further their criminal enterprise. And to Rin herself who realized she was now finally free of the servitude and despair that has made up her daily existence. That she got into Synagard, the most elite military school in the Empire. She's just reading the cover page. And now, I this want... is just for my brain. I'm just that I'm screaming. And I want you guys... aren't always good. (laughs) They aren't always good. I want you guys to know that that cover page plot summary does not even begin to crack the surface of what this this book is about. Of this 531-page book. If you think that plot summary will tell you what this book is about, let me tell you that... You will be very confused. It's as detailed as, like, describing. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is me reading what I just read is the same as if you woke up in the morning and just went to go brush your teeth. But you still have a whole day ahead of you. Yeah. And all you've done is brush your teeth. That was a, I mean, I feel like that's a really good analogy. Thank you. I mean, at first I had to decide. (laughs) I had to decipher what you were trying to say there, but I got it. I feel like that was really good. Um, Yes, that's just a very bare bones summary. It's a very good book. It's about a girl and her struggles uh, to free herself, to give herself a better future, to prove her worth. We have some magic. We have some heartbreak. We have a lot of anger and rage. We have mystical creatures. This is not a light reading, but it is a great reading. Yes, it's very, very deep. It's very thoughtful. We talk a lot about worldly issues. 
and it leaves you feeling interesting in a very morally murky place. But we'll get more into that later. As Cameron Hurley, author of The Stars Are Legion, said, a blistering, powerful epic of war and revenge that will captivate you to the bitter end. No spoilers. Let me go back here to my... To my... um, Schedule. To my schedule, to our storyboard. So we have given the spoiler-free plot summary. Let's give the spoiler-free opinion what was your opinion about this book if I didn't give this book to you to read as my pick would you have picked it up and read it yourself I want to say no but I also want to say yes there was a time in my life where I would have picked up this book and read it of my own like free will or whatever just because I used to do really heavy reads Every like every week, I would just. I remember one time, like I just read a five hundred page book in one day, like the whole day, just did nothing else but read that book. But it's been a long time since I've done heavy reads like that, especially ones that are as detailed as that book is. Yeah, because there are books that are five hundred pages, but they're fairly easy to read, and there are books like this book, which take a lot of brain. This author, like she's created a whole world, and so. It is a lot. It's like creating Harry Potter, but all seven books in one book is how it feels. I feel like that's what I really like about the fantasy genre. Yeah. Is that you create this entire universe with its own rules, its own laws, its own story, and it it spans different epics. Mm -hmm. And that's really what's appealing about it to me. I like knowing about um, the rules of the universe and the rules of the world that we are reading about. Mm Mm-hmm. And the different laws and stuff that the author comes up with, the different creative ways they explain background stories, that's what I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. I did not entirely know what we were reading when I picked the book. Yeah. I was just looking for different fantasy novels by Mm -hmm. POC authors. Mm -hmm. I feel like, like I said, during our review of Children of Blood and Bone, the fantasy realm is very uh, whitewashed. So I like to bring up perspectives of different authors with different backgrounds so we can think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the author of this book, R.F. Kuang, is, um, she studied, I think, Chinese history in college. Mm-hmm. And, Georgetown. Yeah. And a lot of the book, I think, was based off of like Chinese history. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was a cool different perspective that I would have never uh, had mm-hmm. uh, when looking into a fantasy. Yeah novel and Mm -hmm. so it was cool to kind of like see what elements of the different cultures were like present because it was very different than children of blood and bone Mm -hmm. uh there were different cultural elements that Mm -hmm. i understood in children of blood and bone especially coming from like a west african background Mm -hmm. that were kind of it was more nuanced and different in this book yeah it was just like going in blind yeah which is fair i don't know a lot about chinese culture Obviously. Dorothy <laughs> just said Kelly. Stop saying um. Oh, I'm sorry. We made a pact to not say um. That's why she said Kelly. She, that's why she made the face that she made. <laughs> she was about to say um I was going to say um again. Anyway, as I was saying, there was a time where I would have done heavier reads on my own accord, but I think within the last few years, it's been very hard for me to do that with life and college. And I just kind of 
lost my passion for just book reading for the joy of it all I guess which is why we created this podcast because we are early 20-somethings who like to drink alcohol but we also wanted to rediscover a love of books when I tell you that I read like 700 page books for breakfast in middle school I read 700 page books for breakfast for middle school in middle school the greatest thing about this book for me is that I read it twice back when we first uh, teased it, but I didn't remember much about it because it had been too long. Mm-hmm. Rereading it again, it was super, super enthralling. The first time I was just reading it so we could have something to talk about in the podcast, but reading it again for like understanding, mm-hmm. I got through it in what, like four days maybe? And that's yeah. just because of work and life. But if I had the time to sit down, I would have gotten through it in one day. It was very enthralling. I kept wanting to know what would happen, how it would end. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, very, very compelling book. I truly 100% believe that. I think it's great. Mm -hmm. Are you ready to get into spoilers? I'm ready when you're ready. I feel like we're a little bit ahead of schedule in terms of what we have written down. But I'm totally ready to get into spoilers because... I have a lot to say about this book. So if you're here and you want to read The Poppy War before you hear the rest of what we have to say, then this is basically your out. Um, Goodbye. Have a good day. This is your official spoiler warning. Yeah. Goodbye. Why did you even click on this if you hadn't read it yet? Exactly. You might be like Jar 2 who Googles the ending to every TV show ever. Please do not out me like this on our podcast. I only do that because I have a really bad problem with secondhand embarrassment. But you did it to me. I like to know what we're getting into. This is your spoiler warning. Let's start start talking spoilers. Okay, Kelly. Yes. Spoilers. Spoilers. What did you think about the book? Like, okay, in-depth plot summary. What were some things that happened that were that stood out to you i think the author's writing style really stood out to me the way that she decided to write the book in the very um stages of life that rin went through yes basically because when you first read the book there's such a heavy emphasis on her getting out of the rooster province basically like her getting out of what is the town called tuscany no, no, not Tuscany. I'm drunk. Not Tuscany. I'm drunk. I think it's called Tacani. Oh, that's definitely what it's called. I, I'm fucking stupid. I, I am. I, I listen. You heard it here first, so no one can make fun of me for this. Okay, for those listening, for that rough cut right there, it's because I said something fucking stupid. I don't know the name of the town that she's from, and I'm not going to attempt to say it because I said it before and it was dumb. Um, it is Takani. That's what I said. I only know that because I listened to the audiobook. So. I'm feeling secondhand embarrassment right now <laughs> for myself. Um, anyway, record scratch, freeze frame. Anyway, um, basically, there's such a heavy emphasis on her trying to get out of this place. Um, sorry. and it's really hard for her to the point where it's exhausting not for you to read per se 
But it's almost like you're in the situation that she's in when you're reading it. The author does a really good job of conveying that, like how important it is for Rin to get out of the situation she's in. And then finally she's out of the situation. And you're like, that's great, that's good. Like, this is basically the end of the story. But it's not. Does it get easier? No. No. It gets like... Ten times harder. A hundred times. It's in the most positive way possible. It's kind of exhausting like hearing all the stuff that Rin goes through after she's already worked so hard to get into the academy. Like you're you're reading this and you're just thinking the things that are required of this person is something I could never do. Do, yeah. I could never work as hard like the amount of stuff that she goes through, the abuse that she goes through, the just not sleeping, not eating, just constantly studying. Like, when she was burning herself with candle oh, wax she was to, burning, stay, her, to she was, stay awake. She was literally burning herself to continue studying. And then she does all of that, does the tournament, you know, beats the crap out of that guy. And it's awesome. But then it's just, there's still, that's the first 130 pages out of 530 pages. She's gone through so much, like, trial and tribulation already, and there's still so much for her to do. Right. Um, It's interesting that you say you like the way the author uh, wrote the book, the writing style, and Mm -hmm. how she conveyed, and how passionately she conveyed uh, the characters. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting because I read somewhere that she wrote this book when she was like 19. Yeah, she's only 24. What was I doing when I was 19? Making awful ass life decisions. I was working at Target. I was not writing a three book I think I was trying to go back to school. Just Let's just say, (laughs) okay? I wasn't writing this amazing book. I think she's very talented. Yeah, for sure. Like, I will say there were parts that I was confused about when it comes to time lapse and stuff. Yeah. Because it took Rin like a year, like a hundred, literally when I say the first 130 pages, I will say when Rin does get it, like she passes the Keju and gets in the synagogue, that takes two years. But it feels very fast. Yes. But after that. The next hundred pages about her actual time at the academy is only within, like the first, first semester. semester. <laughs> like the first, and I thought it was a year, and it was literally the first semester. And then after that, it just years, years. years? I'm like, what's happening? Months, years. Like, let me tell you that it wasn't till at least the first two hundred pages that I even knew or one hundred and fifty pages that I even knew what the story was about. Because the story's war. really about being in the middle of a war, but it leads to believe it's gonna be about her trying to get into this academy and her getting to the end of her term and finding a I master. Thought, yeah, I thought that like it was it was gonna end with her pledging Pledging lore. lore. And that's, oh no, that happened at chapter seven, and we still had a whole <sighs> book left. I was like, "What the that's hell what are I'm we saying. about to talk about?" But I'm not saying that negatively. Like, yes, it it kind of. Um, I will say, like, that's both something that's interesting that you get to see a character, like half of a character's life. Uh huh. But it's also kind of disorienting at the same time because the author just kind of picks and chooses when she wants time to just move forward. Exactly. Um, and that can be confusing. 
But despite all of that, despite the fact that you might not always, if you don't pay attention, you're going to miss time lapse. But it's worth it to read. Yes. Either way, it's 100% worth it to read. Like, doesn't matter if you're kind of confused about two years, a year, six months, two days. Like, read the book. It's yeah. good. It's good. Um, the war happens Ooh. so fast. Like, they're all like, War's not going to happen. War's not going to happen. War's kind of happening. And it's like, one week goes past. The emperor says, fuck you to the other emperor. (laughs) Two weeks go past. The soldiers are on the shore. Three weeks go past. We're blasted. We're in war. People getting captured, getting killed. It happens so fast. But then the war lasts so long. It starts at the beginning of part two and just lasts throughout the whole end of the book. It's crazy. Um, Tell me how you feel about, like, how war was written. I think that I really am one of those people that don't like to dwell on things that are heavy, like war. So you chose the heaviest book to read about Listen, war. Again, like I said, I did not fully understand what we were getting into, and it really bummed me out for a hot second. But if you love war, <laughs> you'll love this book. It's gory. It's oh, very yeah. real. You feel very real emotions about what's going on, and you feel as hopeless kind of as the characters feel yes. throughout the war. She does such a good job of making you feel like hopeless. You're stressed. You're absolutely like you are that character. But you're stressed in the way where you're watching a TV show and you care about those characters so much in the TV show that you're just wanting the best for them but you know that everything is climaxing and just freaking out. That's how it feels reading this book. Completely all the odds are against them. All of them. All of them. Every single odd in the odd book. Even when they've had like everything handed to them. Even the evens are against them. Even the evens are against them. (laughs) Drink your drink. (laughs) Everything is against them. And you're just so exhausted. These characters are exhausted. They're manic. They're stressed. And you're like... God, just lose You're stress. <laughs> You're stressed. You're like, I can't do this. Like, if we're going to lose, let's just lose. Let's just lose. This is hard. This is hard for me. I don't like it. Right. And um, up until the end of the book, we're still stressed. I guess because it's an ongoing series, we don't even get a resolution. We do not. We don't even win the war at the end of the book. Oop. Oop. I said spoiler, spoiler. This is spoiler, spoilers. Um... I forgot what I was going to say. I'm sorry I said um again. I was going to say something about what you just said. Oh, so there's like, there's a spiritual and kind of supernatural, well, yeah, supernatural element to the book, which you, you don't even expect from the beginning. Right. Because everything that the main character Rin goes through is very physical. Yeah. Um, With her training and studying and her getting into synagogue and her fighting studying you don't expect what happens to happen i guess right that makes sense like the kind of supernatural and faith-based element that there is in the book i feel like i appreciate that Mm -hmm. because i i feel a lot of books do this kind of glaze over the hard work that goes into 
becoming excellent. For like protagonists, they're usually the best for some reason. And I felt oh, they're like just given a power. A given a power that kind of explains their their reason for being the protagonist. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a yada yada over everybody else. There's everybody else has years of martial arts training and then for some reason Rentis has to be the best. I and feel you can, this you can feel that effort. Right. This book didn't do that. This book had her low, it had her on the ground, it had her beaten to death by the jaw, almost oh. beaten to death. It had her I'm gonna beat them in the back. Yeah, it I'm had her kicked up. down. You like I said, you feel that stress, you feel that anger, that disappointment, that yeah. failure. And you're you're just thinking, how is she supposed to do all of this with everything stacked against her the way that it is? Your girl she, was humbled she's many a times. War orphan. She literally comes from nothing. She comes from the dirt and the ground. The people who took care of her were like trying to marry her off, for and their they were own. part of like kind of drug ring, sort yeah. of. And it's like she gets in a synagogue, and you're like, there, she's made it. And she gets in there, and everybody's like, you're, you're nothing. You're nothing. You're, you're nothing. dirt. You're literal dirt. And she has to be like, I thought I made it. And now I have to realize that I haven't even scratched the surface. And of that what made her is. work that much harder. So at the end, even at the end of her trials, when she was trying to find the master, mm-hmm. when she ended up being number one, she still wasn't number one because she only got two pledges. Like That's, that's true. Because right. if she wasn't... If she wasn't where she was from, you know, and if she didn't look how she looked, because there is like colorism in the book, obviously. Yes, that was um, another thing heavy colorism about. in yeah. the book. Um, but if she was from like where Katai was from, basically raised the way that, and Katai is one of is probably her only friend, mm-hmm. and the only good person. In the this only book. we love. Katai. He's the protagonist. We love. Make another series with Katai. Katai. Katai is the, the best pati- character and the whole freaking universe. Truly. Honestly. Um, he's a he comes from ro- basic royalty, right? Yeah. Um, sorry. Or nobility. Nobility. And he is really smart, doesn't need Rin as a friend, can literally do whatever he wants, and is just like, hey, I'll be your friend. Hey, you know, let's do this. I don't know the point of what I was trying to say about Katai because I've had three drinks. Um, mm, but he's awesome. And yeah. I love him. So if she had come from kind of that oh, yeah. background. Then she probably would have had like six pledges. All of the pledges. Right. Because, oh, to explain pledges, basically in the book, once you start out as synagogue, you're just a regular student. You know, you're training, you're fighting, you're studying. And at the end of the year, first semester, um, sorry again, I'm just gonna keep apologizing. You pick a, you pick a subject to basically master per se for the rest of your time at the academy. Yeah, you pick a master that you want to be an apprentice for. That and that per, basic professor, but master, they'll teach you so you have. You can do strategy. You can do combat. You could do uh, medicine. Medicine, yeah, and that lore. Really and lore is the one that nobody does. does. Nobody. The only person who's come close is Al- Alton. Alton, yeah. Alton, and that's a whole thing too. That dude. Oh yeah, <laughs> that guy. He okay. So he's another character who goes to the academy. He graduates 
after Rin's first semester there, and basically he is, like, everyone worships the ground that he walks on at Synagogue. Yeah. But as soon as he leaves, everybody's like, who's that? Who's that? Basically, he joins the military. Yeah. In the most basic way I can say it, he joins the military after he graduates. Mm -hmm. So it's not the last time Rin sees him when she sees him at the school. And he is basic legend at the school while he's there because he comes from a race. He's basically the last of his race because they died in the Or life. so if we... Anyway, please. Yes, you're, you're made to think that he... Yeah, anyway. So, it's a whole thing. Um, He is the only other person who wanted to pledge lore. And nobody believes in lore because... It's basically kind of, just like a, a magic apprenticeship. Yeah. And the way that the world works in that time, people still pray to the gods that exist in this universe and stuff like that, but they don't really believe, believe in, them. in them. It's more of a cultural thing um, that they just grew up with. There's not really any faith-based anything going on in the book. And that's that includes Rin, because she doesn't believe in the gods either. She knows the stories behind them. She knows the history behind them. She knows that people still do cultural practices mm-hmm. for the gods and stuff but people don't really believe it's just the way of life they don't believe in the gods so for her to pledge lore is basically saying i believe in the gods and everybody's kind of like you're the best of the best at Syngard, and you're pledging to master this dumb like, like track, sub- track, 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 subject, track, you know, why are you doing this? You could do whatever you wanted. Mm-hmm. You're stupid. Right. Dummy. So, <laughs> so before we get you into, like, really talking about characters, let's talk about... This is really strong. We talked about what worked in the plot. Mm-hmm. What doesn't work in the plot for you? Um, I mean, obviously I said the time lapses are a little strange. And I will say, we've focused heavily on how the book does jump a lot. You think the book is about one thing, and it's not. I think that her main struggle is going to be getting into the academy. Okay, it's not. I think her main struggle is going to be getting accepted by her classmates. Everybody decides to leave her alone once they realize she's awesome. And then it just keeps going. Oh, okay, I think it's about her training. Oh, she's mastered it. Okay, well, now it's about war. Like, what the fuck? Like, that was a little disorienting to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it was still good. I just think it should have been spaced out more. There's also a lot of um, information in the book, and it's kind of sporadic. Yes. The beginning of the second part of the book was complete exposition to lead us up to what was going on. But because they introduced characters that we had never seen before... I was so confused as to what story I was listening to this is really or reading. Strong. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. We're here. We're here. Barely. We're I'm just kidding. I'm tipsy. Coming back. Mm. Gonna come back. But yeah, there isn't a there. There are characters in the story that you don't know until halfway through the book, and you're like, okay, I guess. And then their reference, and we're kind of like, who's that? Oh, yeah, that guy that died before? Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of have to reread. You have to go back and be like, who is this? 
what is what happened to them? Yeah, because that it's a lot of info. That's what I mean by a heavy read. Like there's a, this character, like this author, she she created a whole world, and it's very impressive how she's able to create a whole world with its own rules and stuff, and be very extensive and, and convoluted and blah 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 blah. But at the same time, it's a lot of information to take in at once. So, like Jertu said, it got easier her second read. She was able to get mm-hmm. through it much easier her second read because it made it easier to remember the characters and so on and so forth. And when you're reading for the first time, that can be kind of disorienting. I feel like one of the things that worked for me was that it was very solid. Mm-hmm. I hate books that gloss over important explanations. I will say she writes really well. This author writes exceptionally well, especially only being 19 when this was published. But I I particularly did not care for how the history of the the of the area or like the history behind where Wynne lived. I didn't like how that was conveyed or like the explanation for the Poppy Wars. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of back and forth because the way it was explained in the book is basically the professor explaining it. Yeah. And the students asking questions. But then you find out later that not everything is as as it seems. Like there was misinformation about what happened in previous Poppy Wars. And that's kind of confusing. You know, like if you find out misinformation later, that's fine. But I feel like the Poppy Wars could should have been explained a different way, not through dialogue. Because mm-hmm. it was so detailed that it felt kind of un it felt kind of unnecessary and long to just explain it through dialogue exactly um yeah basically okay so now i feel like would be a good time to kind of pivot into characterization mm-hmm. are you okay mm-hmm. what's wrong that was really strong i'm drinking the last oh i just spilled <laughs> i'm drinking the last of my drink it's really strong it's going to be a fun night. I work at 6 a.m. Same. No, I work no, at you 8. Don't. You work at 8. Yeah, I still have to be up at 6. You do. Characters. We're talking about type characters, right? Okay. I feel like a good pivot to make is about characterization. Oh, my goodness. Let's get into Ren. Who was the protagonist? Because it for it damn was, sure wasn't Ren. It was um number one man, Katai. Right, because I feel like the author wants you to feel bad for Rin, which we do, but that feeling is very fleeting. You should have heard Dirtu the other night <laughs> when we were talking about this. We kept being like, oh no, we have to save it for the podcast. We have to save it for the podcast. We'll forget everything we say. And she started talking about the actions. I will say that you feel for Rin, and then suddenly... She you, does some shit, and it's like, who like, the fuck are you? <laughs> right. What are you doing, girl? Like, What's wrong with you? I just, like, we that feeling of empathy for Rin is very, very fleeting. Maybe halfway through the book, I'm, like, over it. I'm, like, A, this girl is annoying. B, she has an awful her personality. Womb. When she when she decimated her womb, oh, she got her okay. She got her first period. How old is she? She was like sixteen. May, no, maybe she was like thirteen, fourteen. 
know. You don't I get your first period at you, 16. That's the thing, though. I feel like it works differently in this book just because of the way she's lived her life. You know, yeah. it has to do with health and, like, fitness and blah, 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 blah. And she lived in a kind of poor province um, and Let's struggled say a lot. From and 12 I, to 16. I think I looked at her wiki and it was 16. I could be wrong. It could have been 14. But still, she got it very late in the game. Mm-hmm. Homegirl got got literally like two days of her period and she said i'm never doing this again Take my they, they, she went to the medical part of the academy and she literally was <laughs> the like, nurse's office she said how do i stop this i don't everyone they said we can give you medicine that will obliterate your womb <laughs> you can never have kids and your womb will literally be dead and it will be the most excruciating pain you have ever gone through she said pass me the drink she said sign me the fuck up <laughs> she missed a month full of classes cause she was, she and, was like, and they were like you can get surgery later you'll have to get surgery later to remove that thing cause that's right. dead that's dead I was like Dang. and the the, med- the medicine man being like I want all the girls in the school to yeah, do this. Yeah, because women, women soldiers don't need to have periods. They, they do emphasize that it's harder for women soldiers to actually finish at the academy because of things like that. Right. I'm like, what type of periods are they having? Also, but also, she had a period of like 15. I imagine it was not. Sorry, I have the hiccups now. Oh, we're going. We're going. <laughs> um, she was. That was a heavy flow. <laughs> she was like, because it was it it was scary because it was right after she had just been beaten senseless by Naja, and so we thought that Naja she, was so annoying. He was awful. He was awful. We thought that it was gonna be something really like big, like he like. <laughs> he like obliterated her. She was like colon. bleeding internally. And I think she even thought that. that. She was like, dang, he really <laughs> fucked me up. He fucked up my insides. They literally, they were, the line was, oh, it's just your uterine lining. <laughs> and the, that was, it, that's literally what the line was. And I was like, dang, y'all just went for it. I read the, um, I listened to the audio book and that part was hilarious because the girl was like, I'm going to go through this every month. No way. <laughs> she said, fuck no. <laughs> and then she got her womb obliterated. And that was really the first point in time where I was like, is Rune a good person? That Well, wait, wait. you're allowed to do that. You are allowed to choose that. I guess that. in real life, if you want to obliterate your womb, you, womb, right. you can obliterate. What we're trying to say is it was the first time that you really like, Rin is, you're really thinking, Rin is serious. Like, she's serious. She's like, she's very power hungry. That's very power hungry. And it kind of lets you know that she will not let anything anything get in her way. Anything. And it's okay if you don't want to have kids. It's okay if you've got an issue where, like, you have get a hysterectomy. I don't know. Um, Basically, what I'm trying to say is it's just a moment in the book where you just think. She will let nothing stop her. Right. She had two days of blood flow. And she said, I'm never fucking doing this again. If I ever have to bleed ever again, it's going to be because someone <laughs> beat me the because fuck up. Because someone stabbed me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I will never bleed ever again. Right. So what I'm saying is that it's not, I know. She, I mean, it was just drastic. 
I didn't think that she was a bad person because she didn't want to have periods or she didn't want to have kids. That's fine. But it was the way she was power was hungry extreme. because <clears throat> she wanted to make sure that nothing could stand between her and her power yeah. and her being able to do the things that she wanted to do in terms of this, that it really had me think like, is Rin the good guy here? The whole time um, she was learning her art, she was very, 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 very power hungry. And that's not something we're used to seeing from a protagonist, especially in a fantasy realm, because they're supposed to be like more childlike. um... You'll usually see protagonists get frustrated and be like, why can't I have it now? And then whoever's teaching them yeah. will emphasize it's not a good idea. Right, they'll and they'll like, like, okay. We get it, we get it. Or there'll be an example set, and then the audience is like, that's why you shouldn't do that. But Rin, Rin was, it was like, like, no way. Her master, he was, he literally said, you can lose your mind, you can spend the rest of your life in an insane asylum, you could hurt a bunch of people, you could kill a bunch of people, you could do X, Y, and Z. I've seen men go crazy. I've seen men lose their entire lives. I've seen men just obliterated like just everything and she said give me the power she said give me the power she said that's not my problem that is not my problem literally right um those last two sips of that drink felt like shots i will be honest this was a good book (laughs) so i feel like this book left me in a very weird place emotionally because i did not want to root for rin by the end of the book, I was over her. Root for Katai. Katai was the only solid character from beginning changed. to end. He knew who he was from the beginning. He said, I'm smart as fuck and I don't give a fuck. He had very strong morals and very strong characters. Mm-hmm. Please, book two, don't let us he, be disappointed. <laughs> he was fighting the jaw and literally said, I surrendered. During the trials, which apparently is a big deal because if you surrender... It shows that you're weak. Yes, but it ended up being a good thing for him in terms of what he wanted to master. Because he wanted to master strategy. Strategy. And the strategy master basically said that was the best thing he could have done because anybody else who was fighting Najah was getting torn up. Uh, Let's talk about (sighs) Najah. Tell me... First day. First day. First day. Rude as hell. Ooh. We don't like him, but like, because he's hot, he can be rude. Apparently, yeah. I saw the I saw the artwork that they did for Najah, and I get it. No, please. I'm sorry. Tell I'm sorry. Him. I'm just kidding. But he's rude. <laughs> he's mean. He's nasty. He's a doo doo head. He deserves to get punched in the face and kicked he, in the balls. He got kicked. He did not. He was he was trying to show off, and he basically the way that I read it, there's basically this part in the book where. A lot of combat work is just showing off. It's just a performance. It's not actual combat. Mm-hmm. And he challenges Rin to a duel, but he doesn't take her seriously. So he's just doing combat. Mm-hmm. I mean, performance. Art. Sorry, I burped again. Or hiccuped. Excuse me. Um, and to me, the way that the author wrote it, it felt like I was watching ballet. <laughs> I was reading ballet. And she rocks his shit. She did. But then when they actually had to fight for class, he was like, oh no. He beat her up. But then when the trials happened, she got so angry that she called upon the, the gods Phoenix. that she did not think existed. Right. And then she almost killed him, which was She crazy. almost also killed him. She almost went insane. Right. She was about to kill her master. 
it's amazing kind of like the kind of um characterization development that they do in the job where he was like rude and Ugh. crass at first and but then he respected her right then he respects her. Of her then they go to being friends by the end of the book and then mm. when he gets captured she feels it yeah and you would never think that she would feel the sort of like hurt or longing for him right and but they but have you, that that you development kind of tell that that's where the author was trying to go because people like literally rin would be like i want to spit on him like he's Sucks and I want him dead. And then Katai would be like, "But you think he's cute, but you think right? he's cute?" <laughs> I would just be like, "They're trying to push this so hard." But you're obsessed with him because he's but hot, right? But she wasn't really. Right. Like she was angry, but when she was out of that situation, she dealt with her shit. Right. She was. She's like, I don't give a fuck about him. I'm gonna do what I need to do. I like that they kept it platonic because I was like, at first I was over it at the beginning of the book because I felt I like they're gonna it. do it. I was like, oh wow, enemies to lovers. I was like, what is up with us and toxic men? I hate you. You're annoying. <laughs> He's rude, but we just want it to be. But I was really happy that they decided not to go that route, um, and they decided to instead do a friendship between the two. It made it more. Sorry, Gertrude's drinking us her drink. She just took her two shots. Ooh, it made it more realistic. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Alton. <laughs> okay, so Alton belongs to the Spearly um, race. Race, and basically, this they they describe it in the book as kind of a savage, primitive race. At least in the beginning, they describe it as that. Where all these people know how to do is fight. Mm-hmm. And in the Poppy Wars, their whole race was extinguished except for Alton. And like I said earlier, he's basically this urban legend at the school. While he's studying at the school, he, like, Rin watches him in a tournament where he's fighting his classmates. And he very easily just beats everybody up. Like, mm-hmm. no effort, no sweat. He's an urban legend even when he's right in front of you. Mm-hmm. But then he leaves the school after he graduates and it's like nobody remembers him until the war. Right. And we kind of think that he's like not going to be relevant anymore. We yeah. think that he was just introduced well, as a character. Honestly, there were a few times where him and Rin interacted while he was at the school and I thought they were trying to push him as a love interest as well. Mm-hmm. But then he graduates and the book literally emphasizes that he doesn't matter anymore. Right. Until he does, when we find out that he's like the commander of the psych, which is basically oh, the yeah. Nakara because um, assassin squad. Because Empress killed Tyr. Yeah, we don't even. I feel like he had his own point of view for one chapter. Like, like time out. We don't even know who Tyr is, but they randomly just brought him in. I thought he was going to be a cool character for half the second half of and the book. And then he just dies. He just dies immediately and by the one never, person he was, like, supposed to work for. And we never get an explanation. <sighs> never! For why. I mean, maybe it comes in the next book, because we know the Empress is evil from that, but then nobody else dun, knows. Dun, dun. Whatever. Mm. Anyway, Alton becomes really relevant, and then we I feel really bad for Alton, until I don't, because he's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Right? He has a lot of anger and rage from seeing, like, his entire people obliterated. Which is fair. You know, genocide, Jarchu. Whoa, okay. We're not it's talking about the genocide yet. 
when yeah, there was too much of that in this book, and it made a, me uncomfortable. There was a lot of genocide in this book. That's why. Pause. Pause. Let's take a quick pause. Quick pause. Okay, we're back. Sorry for that. I hope you enjoyed the words from our sponsors. We were talking about Alton. Alton. And he's just so full of so much anger and rage from seeing his whole um, entire race. He's mad. Like, obliterated, Obliterated, kill. just like Rin's wound. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he's, he's full of anger and rage from seeing him, his people die, which is fair. I lost his song. But he just turns so <laughs> awful towards the end of the book. Oof. Like he starts abusing Rin. Oof, he hits her. You're like, and I get so mad. Anger. But he's losing his mind from the the pressure of the war. The war. I feel like we could talk a lot about the characters and the summary of the book. I feel like it's very important right now to talk about some of the world takeaways. World takeaways. The end of the book was insane. Rin basically kills the entire people, the entire Muganese people. All of that is messed up, but what was really clever of the author was to have stuff come full circle. Right. Because way earlier in the book, she's talking, she's having Rin talk about, or Rin is talking about strategy mm-hmm. when it comes to war in her strategy class. And she literally talks about a situation where you just flood the city or the province or whatever. To, to take out the enemy soldiers. To take out the enemy soldiers. She says, realistically, it won't work because it decimates our economy entirely. But it would get rid of the enemy. Right. And literally, at the end of the book, that's exactly what happens. It happens anyway. Yeah, they end up doing that, and they end up killing a lot of Nakara citizens. Oh, yeah. But Rin herself, you know, calls out to the Phoenix God and kills the entirety, or just takes out the entirety of the population of the enemy soldiers, which is insane. And what the book does is they put you in a very morally murky place and confusing place. Because Rin is your protagonist, but she's killing people. People, thousands of men, women, children alike that have nothing to do. Oh, yeah, it's not do. just soldiers. It's literal innocent it's people that have nothing to do with what's going they're on. They're just chilling. They're struggling, too. And she said, fuck you. Right. And then she's like, well, they don't see us as people. And then Katai brings up the point, like, Katai. you know, they're not people, they're dogs, right? That's what she says. And then Katai was like, have you ever thought that that's what they think of us, which is why they think it's okay to kill us? So at the end of the day, it's like she's no better than the enemy. But you're still kind of like, was it worth it? Was it a necessary evil in order to ensure the safety of her people? I guess you don't really know until the second book. That's a lie. I say no. Because... I mean... Genocide is awful. Genocide is bad. Genocide is a hundred percent terrible. We are not. We are not saying it's good. What right. she did was fucked up. But in terms of the story, actually, I don't like saying "but." There, genocide is awful. Point blank. Period. Yeah. In terms of the story, in terms of her specific characterization, you're just kind of left to wonder 
this fictional universe, what could have been done? Right. But at the end of the day, personally... That shouldn't have been done. I don't feel that it did anything. She just killed a lot of innocent people. And she never got rid of the soldiers, so she didn't end the war. She didn't end the war. She was making a statement. I don't know. It's just a very morally murky place. It's not even revenge because those people had nothing to do with the slaughter of her people. Exactly. Um, Because they end up, you know, the Federation soldiers end up completely obliterating a town in uh, her uh, yeah. country. And so we, I think we're supposed to be led to feel that the genocide at the end of the book was it's necessary justified. or justified because of the fact that they killed her people. But it's, at the end of the day, it's just... People who can't help where they come from. Right. Because we have no idea what those people felt about the war, how they feel about the Nicara people. What if they... I mean, we haven't read the second book. Right. I'm not sure if it's out yet, but there's a third book coming out. Yeah, they're all out. They're all out. You... I don't know whether or not you find out how those people felt. I imagine the author would have included that. Because we don't even... We don't even... At this point, we don't know that deaths were justified... If they felt the same way about the Nakara people as this Federation soldiers. But all I know is that it didn't end the war. She just killed a th- thousands of people. They killed thousands of their own people. And at the end of the day, mm. I don't think any of the ge- the genocide at the end of the book was justified. I think it just left you feeling uncomfortable. It was very uncomfortable because you get to know this character's whole life. What they're striving for, the life they want to have. You want them to succeed because they've put so much effort into improving their life. And you feel for them. You could never, if that was your life. Literally, if you haven't read the book and you're just listening to us because we're stupid and drunk. Inebriated. uh, Tipsy. Um, (laughs) You're dumb. You're not dumb. Sorry. It's okay. Keep going. Okay. Um, sorry. You spend so long hearing this whole character's backstory and the just the amount of effort that this author puts this character through and everything that they've lost and gained and everything. And you want to root for them so bad. All for them at the end of the day to just make the choices they did and it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Am I supposed to root for someone who did this? Right. Is that like what? Are, how am I supposed to feel as the audience? I think that's what's so interesting about this book is because you don't expect to feel conflicted. I guess. Mm-hmm. First of all, from the beginning, you don't understand unless you've read into it. You don't understand that this is literally going to turn into a war story. Mm-hmm. You're just reading about this girl's life and how hard it is and mm-hmm. how she's trying to claw her way out of hardship. Mm-hmm. And then it's just so morally gray that you can't mm-hmm. help but just think if this was like how... Mm-hmm. Yeah, my <laughs> words exactly. <laughs> How am I supposed to feel about myself if I'm rooting for this character? Yeah. I mean, maybe you don't think about it that deep. Yeah. I, cu- I couldn't justify it. I felt maybe. at the end of the book that it was 
pretty awful and made mm-hmm. me very uncomfortable. Yeah. Maybe whoever's listening to this right now is like, this is a fucking book. That's awful. Mm-hmm. To put it lightly. <laughs> to put it lightly. Final takeaways. <gasps> you should have referred to <laughs> the other day. She was like, genocide is bad. But. <laughs> and then she said, not but. But. <laughs> <laughs> Because at first I was thinking, what could they have done? But it would have been different had they ended the war right there by killing the Federation soldiers. But they just killed a bunch of regular regular ass, ass people. people, random people that just did not deserve and to die. And then there's still war. And when Katai was trying to show her the error of her ways, Katai was like, "Girl, what the fuck?" Just for her to be warned by literally everybody and they mama and they cousins. And she said, "I don't and care." And she doesn't care. And then she ended up holding hands with the Phoenix, like the Phoenix wasn't gonna demand blood, like the Phoenix isn't gonna demand her to go crazy and take and advantage her mass- of the is literally saying do not do this right everybody was saying don't do this and she said i want power they just they were just so power hungry her and alton were just insane they wanted to unleash the the whole of the gods on the universe you end up rooting for characters that you never thought you would root for in the beginning like naja right now like now i just like i just want some naja He's literally just, like in the beginning I'm like I will never like this character right. I know they're trying to push them together and I will always, always hate, hate it right he's just a dick but sometimes I'm just like wow like he's simple he's a dick and now he's not a dick anymore but then everybody else it just, it's just convoluted except for Katai they want to do crazy stuff Katai's I think another cool thing that I want to add before we go mm-hmm. they talk a lot about drug use in this book oh yeah the poppy world Right, so they talk about kind of like why people, they. I guess it was kind of a commentary on um, real life and why people decide to be against drug use. And I thought that was interesting that they brought that up. A mm-hmm. lot of the chapters were very philosophical, which is kind of my jam mm-hmm. uh, as a philosophy major. They talk about the problem of evil. If there's like a benevolent God, why does like... Um, Bad things happen to good people, and they yeah. talk a lot about that, which is why people can't really have faith in the gods. So I feel like it's a very interesting um, take on different world subjects. We could go on and on forever about this book, but we're about an hour in. Mm-hmm. And we're drunk as fuck. So we'll just leave it at that. I got to work at 6 a.m. and it's 11.45. You should read The Poppy War. Yeah, you should read The Poppy War because it's a good fucking book. I know we have qualms, but just like any book, it's a good book. And I don't know if we'll ever talk about it on the podcast, but I definitely plan on reading the sequel. I still need to read the sequel to Children of Blood and Bone because that's an awesome book. I miss that book. I miss that book as well. I don't know if I'm going to read the sequel of Poppy War. I really liked it. Don't get me wrong. It was very entertaining. It was just such a downer, man. And I feel like there's no way this book series can end happy. Imagine it ends with her and a jaw getting married. No, it doesn't. It probably ends with her losing her mind and or falling into despair and dismay. It ends with I don't know about and that. To just paint. It ends with life. all of her friends abandoning it's her peaceful. and turning against her. Let's not even her. talk about having a Venka. Anyway... Um, oh my god we're not i'm not even gonna get into that it's just such a downer i don't know if i could like physically in the phase of life i am and now mentally like handle the rest of the series 
<laughs> no, but honestly, like, our, honestly, once I, I got into one. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Once I got into it, I was like, this shit, this, I almost said bussin'. <laughs> you can't <laughs> say bussin' for anything that's not food. But, it's but slap. <laughs> this book is really good. This book slaps. On a it's scale of 1 to 10, how much does it slap? 9.5. How much does it depress me? 11 out of 10. How much is it bussin'? 9.5. Please. <laughs> okay, with that, thank you for listening. Thank you. Um, Next time, very soon, not four months. And probably in two weeks. We're gonna we're gonna read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell, which is basically started as like a little snippet from another book she had, which is literally one of my favorite books I've ever read, Fangirl. Um, that book is not what we're talking about though, because Carry On is in a fictional fantasy universe. Really, really good. Um, a very light read. And I do love it. I'm excited. It's long too. It's like 400 pages, but it's classic. I'm excited. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.